0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Off-season show number... 16? I think? I've lost track already. We're three weeks... Into the fantasy basketball offseason, and I've already lost track. I'm pretty sure this is offseason show number 16. Welcome back. Monday. Fantasy NBA today is the name of the show. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. A little bit uh my my plan, actually, today, believe it or not, was to get back into a few more lessons with guests, but got a sick kid in the house. So that screws the schedule up. Uh gotta make sure that I can be at the ready to basically stop the podcast at any moment and go, you know, fetch things from the refrigerator or help reconfigure a television or whatever uh, kid with a cold needs in the other room. And the problem, of course, is that I know this is probably more info than most of you guys need or care about, but if I'm going to have a guest on the show, I prefer to be able to actually just sit down and talk to them for 20, 25 straight minutes without four interruptions. And I can't right now. So you're stuck with me, for better or worse. And so, despite wanting to do some more lessons learned from other voices, we're going to pivot back into teams today, at the very least. We'll kind of play it by ear a little bit this week. We've got playoff basketball to cover as well. Some series ended, some series began. The weekends, the week begins, so on and so forth. Thanks for tuning in. As always, uh, Monday edition of Fantasy NBA Today is on the docket here. We will preview the game z- tonight. Philly-Miami starts their series. Dallas-Phoenix, that one gets underway this evening as well. Uh, our Friday show, of course, looked into series prices and things of that nature. I was, I don't want to say excited, to see Milwaukee come away with a pretty convincing win yesterday in Boston, but it did reinforce a bit what I thought we might see in that series, which is that Boston kind of... I don't want to say they got fat, but they got a little fat playing a Nets team that didn't play any defense. They really had to lock in on their own defensively, so they were going to be... And, and, you know, we knew it from the regular season. as Well, we knew Boston was going to be good defensively. Ha! <laughs> Actually had our... My first didn't pause and restart there. I don't know if anybody could see it happen, but what, what did we make it? Two and a half minutes into the show before? Oh, boy. I do remember very, very vaguely foggy memory a time when I could just roll through a podcast all by myself. Uh, so we knew Boston was going to be good defensively after having to deal with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. We knew that was going to be fine and they were going to have a plan to deal with Giannis, who didn't have a good ball game. Drew Holiday was excellent, particularly defensively. Drew was amazing. And then Milwaukee just kind of got enough from the other guys while playing their own very good defense. And that's the real key here. They've got Brooke Lopez, so actual rim protection, who can anchor a defense. Giannis is incredible defensively. Drew is incredible defense, defensively. And so Boston ran into a very different kind of animal. I think you will see the Celtics make an adjustment for game two. Uh, this was the sort of, as we always say, the first game of a series. Each team kind of throws their fastball. Defensively, they throw that first scheme. Offensively, they just try stuff. And now they can go to they can go to video. Okay, this is what works. This is what didn't. This is what we need to do more of. This is what we need to tweak. We'll set ourselves up for that. Golden State-Memphis was, uh, I mean, not too unexpected here. Both teams played quicker paced games in the first round and that one went over yesterday we didn't have a chance to talk about that series at all on our Friday show that was kind of the first look we had at it and it was a fun one Warriors shot the ball really well Draymond Green got ejected and they still won so that was a really good and I'd argue hyper important win for the Warriors to get with Draymond missing most of the ball game but let's pivot into today We got Philly Miami getting started. That's the earlier of the two games. Miami's favored by four and a half. No Joel Embiid. Total of 208 and a half. I do, I do wonder a little bit as I look at this ballgame without Embiid, does that change the speed of the game? And, you know, I'm kind of inclined to think probably. So again, we're going to get the fastball. It sounds like pretty much everybody other than Kyle Lowry is expected to play on the Miami side. Which again, yeah, that's that's relevant. It's a loss for them, but they'll be okay. They've got Jimmy Butler. They got Bam. They got all their other. They got their floor spacers. We've seen Gabe Vincent play very well. Uh, Philly's a different a different situation. I mean, they're losing. You know, they they become now a James Harden team, and Miami I think is going to be ready to deal with that. So. To me, it doesn't so much come down to whether the defense is going to be good. I think it'll be decent, at least on both sides. Um, I think it's going to come down to whether or not Philly, before they had Harden, when Embiid was out, they played faster. They played through Tyrese Maxey. They played through Shake Milton. Tobias Harris got more shots. They got into their offense quicker. They tried to get sort of whatever the first good look was. With Embiid around, they can work the post they can work slowly they can get a really good look later in the shot clock Harden's an interesting case study because he's he's definitely not the James of old he's gonna want to sort of slowly set up pick and roll stuff and Miami's gonna be ready for that Miami can do what teams have done to James in the playoffs now because there's no Embiid which is just take the ball out of his hands because if Harden doesn't have the basketball, Harden stands at center court. We've seen it for years. The Lakers embarrassed the Rockets in the bubble after one game by just doubling Harden. They just blitzed him off of screens. Took the ball out of his hands. James just stood there. Russ actually had a decent series because he was the sort of the lone guy on that team that could go create a few things. And, you know, that's going to be up now, I think, to Philly to do a similar stuff. Or does Miami just say, look, we trust our guys, we'll deal with Harden, we're going to deal do it without fouling, and we'll take our chances there. Either way, I don't think Philly gets into their offense all that quickly. I don't know what Miami's status is on speed of their offense. So, you know, I look at this series, and I think it's going to be relatively slow-paced. But a total of 208.5 is painfully low. I think that's what it opened at. What's it at now? Let's double-check on that, make sure we got our numbers right. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much static. That number opened more or less after the Embiid news. I think there's there's hope that he might play in their home games. Looks like it dropped to like 207.5 and it's come back up a little bit. But people expect it to be slow. People expect it to go under. I think that's a pretty good number. By the way, the side has jumped up to Heat minus 7.5. So the 4.5 was the opening line. I thought that was uh maybe after Joel, but this 7.5 is obviously after the Embiid news. And I don't know how you... I don't know how you lay seven and a half in a playoff game. I know that teams have been covering it, but that's a that's a very big number. So I'd probably leave that ball game alone. As far as the second one goes, Suns are favored by six, five and a half, depending on where you're looking over the Mavs, total of two, 14 and a half. And what we've seen so far is that Phoenix has been very efficient offensively, but they're now playing a better defensive team. And Luka is a guy that also kind of in a similar vein to James Harden, although obviously a lot more dynamic, gets into the offense a little more slowly, and particularly late in the ball game when they're trying to set up those those pick and roll situations and these moving bodies around and he's calling for the screen in one particular spot. All that stuff takes time. So I actually think that that ball game has a a really interesting a really reasonable chance of staying under. I guess what we don't know is how rested are the teams, how do they shoot offensively, do they have something that is sort of a different look? Eh. I mean, I think Phoenix is going to have a pretty good plan for Luka, who's still going to get his stuff. But it feels to me like you could get some pretty good defensive slugfests going. On. And it sort of comes down to whether or not the Suns can be as efficient as they usually are on offense. But Booker's good to go. Chris Paul's been very good in the playoffs so far. I think I would have the Suns probably in the like 108 to 112 range. So then the question is do the Mavs get to like 102, 105 or do they clear that threshold? Slight lean to the under and then almost no lean on the side as well. Although, man, that first game, Sixers heat, that one's a really tough one. I think I'd probably leave that one alone. All right. That'll about do it for the playoff stuff for today. Obviously, more. Or coming Monday through Thursday. You guys know the plans these days. We talk NBA playoffs at the front end. Just get you set for the games that particular evening. You guys also know that opening games of a series, you're really digging into matchups. You're digging in anything people thought they saw from the previous round. And that's where you catch a little bit of value. And maybe we would have gotten something without the Joel Embiid injury. I think I liked Miami without that injury. Now it's tough. Now it's tough. But uh, don't worry, we'll have some stuff. Oh, we'll have some stuff. There were no games on Saturday. Wasn't that crazy? Everybody wrapped up their stuff on, on Friday. Memphis wrapped things up. That ball game did go under, which I don't even remember what we said about that one. Anyway, let's talk teams again. We've covered the Knicks. We've covered the Celtics. So we're starting out east in the Atlantic Division and i was thinking maybe we could go brooklyn nets although you know even as i even as i say it out loud it's a little bit concerning because that's a team that has this this core that i mean there's always going to be turmoil i just don't know how they move off of any of the stuff that they have going on kevin durant is signed through uh eternity Kyrie Irving has a player option for this coming season, which I assume he'll probably exercise. The team's been so good to him, despite all of the nonsense. And then Ben Simmons, you know, maybe he plays at some point. I would have to assume he does. The other guys that are still on contract for the Nets next year, and they had so many names that were on and off of the roster this season, one of the longest lists. But the other guys besides those kind of big three type, if you want to call it that, Joe Harris. Hopefully he'll be back by next year, well, I guess we really we still don't really know there have been various setbacks and whatnot uh he signed for two more seasons. Seth Curry is still on contract on a ridiculously affordable deal next year. Patty Mills has a player option for about six mil i don't I really don't know if he's gonna exercise it. I don't know that it matters javon carter uh they still' ho- owe him money all right. I don't think he's even on the roster anymore. Uh, Cam Thomas, De'Ron Sharp, De'Ron Sharp, uh, Kessler Edwards, and uh, the other David Duke. Those guys are all on contract. I think David Duke would be a uh, qualifying offer, and then Kessler Edwards is a team option. But he played pretty well, so I'm assuming they'll bring him back. Either way, those last names I mentioned, those last five or six names, they sort of don't matter for our purposes. The guys that are now coming off the books for Brooklyn, they're not the guys that are being paid a bunch of money, but there are quite a few names. A lot of veterans minimum contracts coming off the books, and then one guy who got a little bit more than that. Bruce Brown is the guy that got a little bit more than that, and he was someone that had a ton of fantasy value at the end of the year, but probably wouldn't if Ben Simmons actually played. So that one to me maybe looks a little bit like a deal on paper, but kind of isn't a big deal. Because I'm sure Brooklyn is hoping that Ben Simmons can actually get on the court. I don't know if you guys heard this, and we didn't talk about it on the podcast, but something that came out on the Simmons front was he was basically saying that the stress of playing is creating his back problems. That basically his back is a mental thing. And I kind of wondered that a little bit. Like, is this, is this back thing a real... How could it still be there? Do he haven't played in forever? It makes a lot of sense, actually. But then it also begs the question of, will he ever play again? Is he mentally ready? Can he handle it? I don't know. I don't know. But if we look at the Nets this way, which is just look at the guys that are actually on the team for next season, you've got Kevin Durant, who... Uh, This year had, on a per-game basis, a damn brilliant fantasy season. Like, just out of this world outstanding, everything you could have hoped for and more. Minus, once again, the fact that he missed almost exactly a third of the season. Played in 55 games this year out of 82, that's almost exactly two-thirds. Kyrie Irving played in 29 games this year, which is almost exactly one-third, a little bit more than that. So that's pretty rough. Things, of course, change a little bit for one of the two superstars on that team, and that's the fact that, and I don't expect this to go back the other way, the vaccine mandate is lifted. Kyrie Irving can now play in home games. Let's not forget that Kyrie is someone who missed time for injuries... Even before the vaccine stuff happened. Remember last year when KD played sparingly, Harden was there for part of the year. Kyrie was there was was sort of the only guy that was there for most of the year. He played 54 games. That was out of 72, remember, not out of 82, but still missed 18 ball games just for like sporadic injuries and going to a sister's birthday party and then having to re-quarantine. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be something with Irving. Like we can't we can't take that off of the discussion. Even if it's not a vaccine thing this coming year, it'll be something. And that's fine. We just have to be aware of it going into fantasy seasons. When he's right and you know when he was able to play this year, which is basically road games in the second half of the season, he was incredible. Kyrie was number five on a per-game basis. Kevin Durant was number two on a per-game basis. Both of those guys are powerhouses in the percentages categories. They're wonderful roto guys, but how many games are you going to get out of them? And, how, and where are you going to have to draft them? I think I would find it tough to draft Kevin Durant because you're going to have to take him by probably pick seven or eight. So then you're saying, okay, where does this get us? This year he missed 27 games. He was still number 12 by totals. I don't, I, frankly, I don't know if he's draftable in head to head leagues because of the probability of missing a bunch of time. Maybe it's the same story with Kyrie Irving, although his stuff tends to be maybe a little shorter. I don't know. You can probably lump him into kind of the same bucket. There's different reasons. Kevin Durant's stuff is almost always just health things, and then Kyrie, you've got kind of the other things swirling around. At least with Irving, my assumption is he'll be going late second round like he did a couple years ago when he was still a top 10 per game guy, but nobody trusted him to make it through the season healthy, and then there's all this stuff I've been having this conversation in non-basketball contexts uh, a number of times over the last 48 hours or so. I think we've all worked at places where there's some one particular employee or maybe more than one that has a thing all the time, whether it's you know uh, something going on in the family or the car broke down or the phone isn't working. And I always used to refer to that as the always something guy because there's always something. That's been me lately. I've been that guy. I've been the always something guy lately. Sick kids. Wife had COVID. Spring break at school. Family, uh, more other like non in my house family member things happening. People in hospital. Like I've been that guy lately last couple of months. That's been me. I never wanted to be the always something guy, but I have been lately. Kyrie Irving is the always something guy, wherever he's gone. It's always something, whether it was something that you agree with or something that you don't. It's always something with him. And I think that that phenomenon has soured a lot of basketball fans and fantasy players on Kyrie. I believe in a Games Cap Roto format next year, he's probably going to end up being a really good value because he's an unbelievable basketball player. When he's on the court, he is a damn wizard. Number five people on a per-game basis in his 30 games this year. 27 and a half points. And he can be better field goal percent-wise than he was this season. We've seen him. He was at 47, which is still really good for point guard type guys. And he can be better. He can be up around 50. Maybe with less drama swirling around, he'd be up around 50. I don't know. Maybe it's just fluky. Maybe it'll just fluctuate. So those two guys are a little bit easier to predict. You know, KD's going to have his fantastic per-game value. You're going to be dealing with injury-related stuff. Kyrie's going to have his fantastic per-game value. You're going to be dealing with non-injury-related stuff and probably some injury things. But he's going to get drafted far later than KD does. Then you get into these other guys. Like, Bruce Brown, who's not on contract anymore, he had a fantastic second half of the season. What do we think happens with a guy like Ben Simmons? I don't think I can draft Ben Simmons in any format, even though he might actually end up being a value. He strikes me as, you know, unless we find out in, like, August that he's all set and he's playing on opening night, I'm still not sure I believe it. I would hear that news and say, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. And here's the other thing with Simmons. Uh, If he's not sort of really perfect mentally, then you have this possibility that things unravel for him again. His terrific fantasy season was uh, the one cut short by COVID, 2019-2020. He played in 57 games before the league shut down. He was dealing with back stuff even at the end of that season, I believe. Average 16.5 points, 8 boards, 8 assists, 2 steals, half a block, 58% from the field, and a uh, side-splittingly bad 62% at the free throw line on over 5 attempts per game. But it didn't matter because his other stuff. Steals, assists, boards in particular were so good, and field goal percent that it kind of counterweighted that a little bit. But remember, Simmons did play last year. I feel like we've all just assumed he didn't, which isn't true. He played the following season. He played last year. They flamed out in the playoffs. He got blamed for it. Joel Embiid and Simmons had the fallout, and then the whole thing happened. Uh, he averaged 14-7-7 and with 1.6 steals, and that dropped him. By the way, and 55.5% from the field instead of 58. Higher turnover number, basically the same free throw. That dropped him from top 35 to number 100. On a per-game basis. So his value was kind of tenuous to begin with. It was really firmly built on assists and steals and field goal percent. If he's healthy with Brooklyn, I could see the steals getting back pretty high. I could see the field goal percent getting back pretty high. I don't know that 16-8-8 eight and eight is potentially in his future as... The third fill. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, maybe we're talking about a top 75 type of fantasy play if things break right. Are you willing to spend a pick on that? And the chance he doesn't play and just uses up a roster spot the, year, the whole year? I'm not. And then because of the uncertainty around Simmons, and currently there's an uncertainty around Joe Harris... But if we assume he plays and Seth Curry plays, things become a little bit redundant. I love Seth Curry's fantasy game. But if Seth and Harris are both in there, I I don't know how you make a play at either of them. Seth Curry, uh, with most of these guys out, Bruce Brown in... As really kind of the third offensive option behind KD and Kyrie, he was just inside the top 100. And that's despite his typically very good percentages, 49% from the field, two and a half threes, 87% of the free throw line. That's where his, his hay is made, but he needs 11 shots a game to get there. Does he get 11 shots a night if KD, Kyrie, Simmons, and Joe Harris are all healthy? Probably not. Now we're we're game planning. We're we're looking down the line probably farther than we need to. But when you when you look at these player and team breakdowns, I do think it's important to have a plan going into next season, which is okay, which of the guys on this team are going to be targets. You make a list now at the end of the previous season. I know we're 3 and change weeks out, but You make a list now at the end of the previous season. Here are the guys that I think are going to have an inside track to some sort of value in whatever format it might be. KD, probably going to be a little bit of a a dice roll. Kyrie, games clap Roto format. I'm betting he's probably going to be a little bit of a value in the second round. And then you're looking at the rest of these guys like, okay, well, let's make a plan based on who is and isn't in the lineup. You kind of can't. Because there's a chance Simmons doesn't start the year and then comes back at some point. There's a chance he plays the entire season. There's kind of the same issues. I mean, it's a different set of issues. But Joe Harris, we don't know if he's going to start the year next season. The only one of those guys where you're like, yeah, I mean, he's probably going to be fine and start the year healthy is Seth Curry, and that's fine. I mean, if we find out that Harris is still out, if we find that Simmons is still out, you can go Seth Curry and just understand that at some point in there, he probably ends up a drop, but he's the guy where you're like, okay, as long as these other guys are hanging out on the bench, I can continue to ride with this particular horse. But overall, it's really hard on the Nets to make a plan on the rest of these guys. What I think I would say is this. Don't plan on drafting Ben Simmons. He has a, There's a non-zero chance he just squats in a roster spot your entire season. I wouldn't go Joe Harris coming off of multiple ankle procedures as a potential fourth play on this team, fifth, maybe. And then Curry's the guy where you're closest to it, but it could be derailed by too many things. So he's the one you can put in the, you know, maybe we have some streaming opportunity. Maybe there's a long stream opportunity at the front end of the year, but it's not something that I'm counting on for the entire season. These top-heavy teams, they are hard to handicap in in fantasy, but that's where we're at with the Brooklyn Nets right now, and that is where we will take our leave. Big news today at Sports Ethos before we wrap things up. Today, the wonderful, marvelous relaunch of Fantasy NFL Today. Yes, with the football draft just completed, J.P. Sticko has launched Fantasy NFL today. He's breaking down rookies, his favorite rookies taken in the draft last week. Weekend? I think that's when it was. You guys know I don't follow the NFL all that closely. I know it was within the last few days, though. And where they fit and what that means for your fantasy teams. He's going to be doing three shows a week here in the very near future. That ramps up to five shows a week as NFL content starts to pick up as well. And now we officially, here at Sports Ethos, have this show, Fantasy NBA Today, MLB, and NFL. Three daily full-season fantasy podcasts. I am so excited for JP. I'm so excited for our, our launching football division. There's actually going to be more coming over there. That There's more very large football news coming up in the next probably month, month and a half. Uh, but for now, Fantasy NFL Today Fantasy MLB today, Fantasy NBA today. We've got a trifecta, and I'm really excited for those guys. Uh, Check out Joe and JP, the hosts of those two shows, and please do check out those podcasts. Add them to your rotation. If you've enjoyed winning at the NBA level with this one, let's just win at a bunch of different sports. Doesn't that seem reasonable? I thought so. Have a great Monday, everybody. I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Yes, I'm going to have trouble keeping track of the actual sports acronyms now that we have so many going. Uh, Enjoy the playoffs. I I say that at the end of every episode. Back at you tomorrow morning. We will find out tomorrow based on the health status of folks in my family, whether or not we're breaking down another team or you're getting a lesson learned. Either way, I'm happy to have you. So long, everybody.